and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we were just talking about how we all feel like sick, sickly today. So, well, except for Carl. I was going to say, to be fair, for me, it's not sickly, it's in pain. Yeah. Which is slightly different. (laughs) Yeah. So, so hold on for that. Yeah, the podcast (laughs) seems a little lackluster today. Yeah, I've just I've just been like tired, very tired for the past I don't know two weeks. Four years. Yeah, could have something to do with the imminent thesis show. Yeah, I mean it's weird though because like my my sleep schedule was great for like a month or maybe like a month and a half, and then. I don't know, a couple weekends back, I just, I, I stayed awake until 3 a.m., and then I woke up at 9 a.m. the next day, and then the day after that, I slept in until, like, noon. Uh, and since then, I just have not been able to, to uh, write myself. So, but that's fine. It's a three-day weekend here in the States, uh, so maybe, maybe that'll, maybe that'll help. Probably. Yeah. I know there's there's something there's some way you're supposed to theoretically be able to reset your body clock by like um like going to bed at a certain time like start fasting for a certain amount of time and then going to bed at a certain time and then like eating a huge breakfast when you wake up. Oh yeah, that's um, I've but I don't know all the exact details, so do not try it based on that half remembered <laughs> set of instructions. Maybe I'll Google it and then uh go load up on like breakfast foods at the store after this so that I can so that I can uh, prepare myself a huge breakfast tomorrow morning I remember to eat it after you go wake up yeah, yeah. right <laughs> I'm like oh it's it's two in the morning I think I want some French toast <laughs> uh, I do love French yep. toast I remember, um, I know uh, Sean Plott, like, talked about this on, I I don't remember, unfortunately, like, which show or stream he mentioned it on, but he did talk about, like, how you can reset your your internal clock using this method. See, my my usual method of of resetting my internal clock is let it get so bad that I just don't sleep for a night, and then stay up the whole day, and then go to bed at, like, 8pm after being awake for far beyond 24 hours uh and that that sucks but it it usually kind of works yeah i was gonna say that that probably works but is also probably really unhealthy <laughs> yeah it's i mean i kind of do a thing where you have some appointment that you have to do no matter how tired you are yeah and then it's fixed yeah. i mean that's just every day for me though yeah right yeah like I gotta I got be at work at, like, 9 in the morning, which isn't that early. It's it's way less early than, you know, having, like, an 8 a.m. class. But that hasn't really helped me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get some rest on this break because, yeah. in addition to the three-day weekend, I'm also taking a few days off next week because I've had a crazy summer. Yeah. kind of need a little time off. And, like, so, uh, probably no days off during the summer, yeah. also. Just... Yep. Oh. Yeah, that's but not a thing that over. happens after school. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, take the time to go out and get another 
uh, like final round of blackberries before they're fully out of season. Uh-huh. Because my last set of blackberry puree, I didn't do anything with it in time, and it went like it started fermenting, and I was so sad because it all went sour. And I'm like, no, that was like five cups of blackberry puree. I mean, you could probably do something with like a slightly alcoholic sour blackberry juice. I don't. I it, feel it, like it tasted like it was probably like you would go blind if you tried to drink it too much. Yeah, okay. Like not not like the good kind of alcohol. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> probably probably that's more fair. like vinegar than alcohol. Yeah, I I remember like one once my 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 mom and stepdad like they they buy a lot of wine they keep a lot of wine and mm-hmm. uh once like they they were out of town i was house sitting and my mom was like oh yeah you can have like any wine from downstairs as long as it is within like this date range because she was they were trying to like get rid of get rid of stuff um and i i don't know how many bottles i opened but like all of them were just totally corked and just pure vinegar in the bottle like oh, it was no. it was it was the older stuff that they were trying to get rid of so that was fun. I didn't drink any of it. I would like open the bottle and just be like, "This is bad." Down the drain. Let's try another one. See if we get lucky. Oh. Yikes! Yeah. Fun, fun times. I've I've never gotten much into wine myself. I'm I'm not a very uh, enthusiastic alcohol drinker. I uh, I sometimes am. I go through periods of time where I where I drink very enthusiastically and then and then i tweet uh, about it yeah and then i tweet about it <laughs> and sometimes i drink too enthusiastically and then i stop yep that's fair um i, I don't know why like i just somehow like didn't have that phase in college and never developed a taste for it or something um but like the pretty much the only things I ever drink are like the super super sweet doesn't really taste like alcohol kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like occasionally like Smirnoff Ice or like a Mike's Hard Lemonade or something like that. You know what? No judgment. Those things are tasty. Like those <laughs> things are tasty as hell. I mean, but even, they, even they then, are tasty. But I can get through like half half before I had to throw it away or give it away because it's so sweet it's too much yeah it is very sweet yeah and like yeah so it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like it would be nice to maybe split a bottle of that with someone else yeah. because i'm like this is this is like more than i want to drink i could drink like maybe half this <laughs> someone i did find the perfect drink for me though which is um believe it or not ikea uh sells a hard pear cider what? that is like it's like 0.5% alcohol. It's like barely alcohol. So it's it, more like a pear soda. Right. So it's basically it's, basically just enough fermentation to make it bubbly and and no more. Yep. See, that sounds really good. Like I I I primarily anymore am like a cider drinker. Mm-hmm. I like wine, but I don't know. I just like cider. It ta- it sounds good. It tastes good. If you drink enough of it, it'll get you a little a little feeling good. <laughs> but it's I don't know it's like hard for me to get drunk off it because it's just like it's not that alcoholic but it tastes yep. good. I yes. mean I live like thirty minutes from where they make those things. Oh. So you should be drinking these. They're amazing. That's true. Yeah. Go break break into the IKEA factory or 
whatever the IKEA distillery <laughs> and just uh uh break into there and then mail it mail to yeah, us. Say, ship us ship us a whole bunch of pear cider. A bunch of pilfered pear cider, yes. Let me see. Ikea Pear Cider. I'm it has sure. one of those Ikea-style names. Oh, no, it's just Cider Peron. It's just uh, Pear Cider. That's uh, fair. Ecologisk, which is maybe the brand. No, it's like Ecologisk. organic. Oh, organic. I see. Organic Cider Peron, which I assume means Pear Cider. <laughs> I, I yeah. like I like how you say it has one of those IKEA names, which is probably just like a Swedish word. <laughs> a Swedish word, yes. It involves umlaut somewhere. Look, don't judge me. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> uh, it is it is in fact 0.1% alcohol. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like barely, That's barely the good, alcoholic. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff for sure. Yep. Ugh. Well, uh, I, I'm trying to come up with a segue into our well, games. Well, Carl, Carl feels that this game involves far too much uh, alcohol just hanging oh, around. Yeah, yeah there, is, much there is quite a bit of alcohol hanging around. So, um, yeah, we played uh, Tacoma, which is a... Uh, 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 what, what, even, what even do you... like? Do you, is, is Walking Simulator just the preferred genre? Like, I don't... It's, I think it's, it's walking a, simulator enough. I would argue, yeah, I would say in as much as, like, that is a, like, that's a very loose term and a large genre that can encompass a lot of things, like, then, yeah, it would fit into this. There are some people who mean, like, a very specific thing when they say that. Yeah, um, and but a, a lot really... of people also use walking simulator purely as a pejorative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and don't... we don't mean it in that way. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Before we get too far into it, though, I do want to, um, we do this, I sometimes offer this disclaimer, and I'm going to offer it again for this one. Uh, we always spoil things on this podcast. Yeah. There will be, like, this is not like a light summary. We will get into, like, full depth. And just like Gone Home, this is a game that is better if you don't know a whole ton about it before you start playing it. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't played it, and you are interested in essentially gone home in space, that sounds like a good idea to you, then, like, turn this off, go play it, and then come back. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, these games are all about the narrative, um, for sure. So, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's gone home in space, it's made by the same people, it's, it's got basically all, well, not all, but largely the same mechanics, plus, plus some stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say plus a new uh, plus a new element of like storytelling. Yeah, uh, mechanical storytelling that I really like. Yeah, we can get into that. And that's that's like the big thing. But otherwise, it's like you're walking around, you're picking stuff up, you're reading stuff, you're listening to stuff. J- broad strokes, it's very similar. Yep. So, do we want to do mechanics first or story first? Um, hmm, that's that's a good question. It's hard to go into the story without talking about the mechanics. Yeah. So. It's a little hard to go into the mechanics without talking well, about the story, though. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Okay. How about we? How about we do something revolutionary here? How about we try to do both? <laughs> we'll talk about. All, we can start with the story, and then we'll switch to the mechanics when it's relevant. Yeah. Let's do broad stroke story, and then mechanics, and then specific story. Yes. Or more okay. Or less. 
Rod Stark's story. You are uh, Amy, a a woman who comes into the Tacoma uh, lunar lunar transfer station on on your little like space tiny shuttle pod with your with your AI named Minnie, who is adorable. Yeah, it's not like a big space station or anything. Yeah, it's just no. like it's like a little cargo depot with a team of six people. It's like not it's not like, you know, oh, big international space station thing. No, it's a little, little tiny place. Yeah, we're not talking like, you know, a, a mass effect space station. It's like it's like a tin can mm-hmm. because that's that's basically what what is more accurate. <laughs> just tiny tiny close quarters. Mm-hmm. in the vastness of space. So you get there and you find that the space station has been evacuated and <clears throat> your job is to retrieve uh, the data and the wetware housing the the station's AI. Uh, Odin is his name. So that's the that's like the broad strokes of it. And what you do is you go through the space station and you find these little AR uh, augmented reality, recordings of the crew yeah so the yeah yeah so the ar plays a a huge part both in the sort of narrative and the mechanics which is why it's hard to explain one without the other um where the idea is that like part of how the station works is that it runs by tracking your like body signature and movement throughout the station that's how the ai tracks you that's how like all kinds of stuff happens um, so, like, at any point, you, you, like, have these implants on your forehead, and at any point you can, like, make certain gestures, and a little HUD pops up, or, um, I don't know, use gestures to, like, sign things, or, you know, access databases, and yeah, I don't know. And There's it, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it, the, the implants, they call it, uh, hardware, which is, like, a pun on AR plus hardware, I guess. And it, it also, it also gives you your HUD. Your in-game HUD wouldn't exist without the hardware that just, like, beams itself onto your eyes, which is really cool. I'm just going to say something. Creating yes. a UI for, like, sci-fi games is so unfair. Yeah. <laughs> they get away with everything. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, no, they just took what is normally uh, standard GUIs and just put them in space, in 3Space. Yep. But... Honestly, I kind of love it because not only does it give you your UI, but we something that you sort of come across again and again and again throughout the narrative is that corporations are are big and they're evil and they control the shit out of everything. So I love it when when you're going to other sections of the space station and you're getting little ads for like yeah, popping in, up for, on for in-game timeshares like that. I appreciated that, and I know yeah. it's just like, oh, we're trying to we're trying to fill loading space here, but it's like, you know, it it makes enough sense like in in the world space that I appreciated it rather than finding it annoying. Yeah, I, I will say right up front that um, I there I, there were a lot of things I liked about Gone Home, um, but it didn't grab me the way it grabbed a lot of people. I think in part because like the '90s nostalgia thing just didn't really do it for me. Um, but on the other hand, in this game, the sci-fi world building, I was all over that. I loved the, like, weird, uh, you know, like, post, post-money post economy based on c- company loyalty yeah. and the, like, the little a- AR HUDs that everyone has and the ads that they pop up at you and, like, things like that. I thought that was just, like, 
super great. Yeah, and I'm sort of in the same boat where I I liked Gone Home just because it gave you a really cool detailed environment to just kind of dink around in. I didn't really care that much about the story, even though even though it, it was like almost completely tailored to my interests. There's like <laughs> like a girl and she's like coming to terms with her sexuality as a teenager and she likes video games and she's into like punk riot girl shit. Like that's all that's all me in high school. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, this is boring. Let me let me walk around this house some more. This is a cool house. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was I was like completely on board for the concept of that, but in space, and it paid off. Yep. I mean, I'm kind of in the opposite book, but I liked. I like walking around in the house more than I like the space station. Maybe I just don't care about space. Was it because but... the space station made you nauseous? No. Did it make you nauseous, Kyla? It made me pretty nauseous. Yeah, there was there was a mostly lot of city the, the stuff. Mostly the zero G parts, mostly. Yeah, luckily there wasn't a whole lot of that. Yeah. Um. So okay, so yeah, you get into the space station, and the first area you encounter is like they call it, I think, the hub, and it's like a bunch of spinning concentric rings that all sort of lead off into the other areas. There's like biomed, there's engineering, there's personnel, um, and then at the very end is like this big open windowed area they call it the tacoma dome and you can see earth from the inside which is like super unrealistic you can't have windows that big in space it's absurd but it looks cool it looks cool so i don't care but you you can the spinning ship design though is totally a real thing yeah exactly because that like the spinning circles are designed to use a centripetal force to create artificial gravity, yep. which is why there's no gravity in the like central not turning hub section, but normal gravity when you go, when you take the magnetic elevators out to the edges where the uh, where the like various quarters and stuff are. Yep. So it's in this hub area that you, you first encounter sort of the, the main mechanic of the game, which is um, recovering and replaying the AR data that is sort of uh, hasn't quite managed to be wiped from this abandoned space station. So it, it basically gives you like a a replay of you know whatever characters are present at the time and their conversation. So they're moving around like through the through the world space and they're talking and you can stop them and you can rewind them and you can play it play it over again um, and then also. <laughs> They, they can bring up their little, like, desktop HUDs and you can, like, hack in and, and see what they were looking at on their little desktops. And that's how you get most of the information. And it's it's super fascinating because it's very grounded in the physical space of the game. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a character is having a conversation and walking, you have to walk along with them in order to continue hearing them. You can't just, like, sit in one space and watch a movie. You're, like wandering around in the, the space and, and following the, the story as it moves through space, which I think there's, like, probably an academic paper in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, there could be characters in different rooms having different conversations simultaneously, so you have to pick, you know, which which people do I want to stick with and who do I want to listen in on this time. And then rewind and walk and over then to rewind. a different part yeah, of the room. And then go to another part of the room. Uh... So yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And all the characters are sort of they're not character models in the sense where like 
they look like people, but they, they look like sort of holographic imprints of the character. So you get basically a color that represents them throughout the entirety of the game. They're always going to be like the same color. And then sort of a basic outline of their body shape. So you can see like how tall they are in relationship to each other. You know, vaguely what they look like uh, in conjunction with in one of your files, you get like little portraits of them. Yeah. Like their, their passport pictures or whatever. Yeah, and you, um, ostensibly, you're not here to be looking at this data. Like, you're in, in fact, the company explicitly instructs you not to look at that information. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just there to, like, load your little uh, pad onto these things to absorb, like, the AI and then grab his, uh, like, core from the system network and then get out of there. And, and get out of explicitly, there. these this AR data is property of the company, and you sign a waiver that says that you will like it's private property, and they own it. And yeah, it's don't like, look. It's like your your ability to access this data does not confer you privilege to view the data, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like it's it's all very uh, uh, corporate corporate, speak. corporate legal speak legalese. Yes. <laughs> so okay, so. I guess the first conversation, it's Evie and Sarah, I think, talking in the in the dome yeah. about, like, they're talking about their contracts getting renewed and are they going to be leaving? Are they going to be going back to Earth? Are they going to be stuck on Tacoma for another year? Are you going to miss it? Are you not going to miss it? It's a lot about, like, how, how are we feeling about the situation? And mm-hmm. also it's obsolescence day, which is a holiday that we will learn about later. <laughs> yeah. So the so the the characters Evie is the like head of the station. Um, she's just sort of the administrator. Um, kind of a you know like she's doing her job and she's she's fairly serious, but she's clearly also willing to like stick her neck out for the rest of the crew mm-hmm. uh, if necessary. Yeah. It, um, it seems like the, she's tried the, pretty hard to balance being the boss with also like getting along and being you know friendly with with her crew as opposed to just like i'm the boss these are my rules follow the rules and she doesn't she clearly like doesn't mind that much uh, like aggravating the company that they work for because she already has like two disciplinary flags on her record or something yeah um but which she got for like trying to request important information on behalf of her crew Mm -hmm. which we'll get into how terrible this company is um but uh so she's talking with uh, Sarah, um, who is the ship medic, um, who is a little bit more like withdrawn. She has some anxiety issues. She doesn't really talk to the other crew that much, but she gets along really well with Odin, the station AI. Man, that would that would completely be me on the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just hang out in my bunk and talk to an AI. Yep. I mean, the AI has an extremely soothing voice, too. He's got one of those, like, I can't believe it's not evil uh, sort of AI voices, right? This is, like, a little bit too... Yeah, I feel like, I I feel like that's kind of the, uh, the, old, the old Fulbright switcheroo where it's like, uh-oh, is this the evil thing? Am I going to have to watch out for this? And then, surprise, you, it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm very pro like sci-fi where the AIs turn out to be the good guys. Yeah, um, I guess not every AI in this turns out to be a good guy, but uh, at any rate, um, then there is uh, Clive, 
five is the what is the five? operations specialist? Yeah, I don't know what that means. It, it seems like he he's the guy who who makes sure that they have supplies, and he kind of liaises with uh, Ventura. Venturus is the company that owns the um, space station. I don't know if we said that. And he he like it seems like he keeps track of supplies and and right. and yeah. stuff, and makes sure that they have enough to live with to live on the spaceship because previously you can sort of like you read it in his file he previously worked in like hospitality sectors he worked right. for like carnival cruise lines <laughs> um, in space in space yeah um and like he he uh this is like the other big thing about how corporations are big and evil uh, all the corporations or all the like universities are now run by corporations so he went to like hilton university yeah. like the the hotel chain so yeah, yeah, he's he's like invested in in sort of the hospitality sector. So that's I'm yeah. pretty sure that's sort of and what he, is. He's the one. He's the one who like abandoned. He like was working for another company, but most of the economy is now based on like company loyalty. And so because he switched away from like going to school with one company and then working for a different company, he lost all his like loyalty. So he's sort of like building himself up from scratch and it's like really hard to get a foot in the door because yeah. like everybody just cares about your loyalty. Yeah. And he's got like ridiculous student loans to repay mm -hmm. to Hilton because he, he went to school there, but he didn't like stay in his job there. Mm -hmm. So now he owes them actual real money. <laughs> yeah. Which is not much of a thing anymore. Yeah. Basically it's like, you get your company loyalty and you convert it to, to regular real money for, for whatever the exchange rate, which is probably shitty is. And then yeah. you pay off, um, you pay off that way. Yeah. Uh. So then there is an, oh, and he's sort of dating Evie, um, yes. a little bit. He has a friend who still works for Carnival Cruise who like, doesn't think it's a great idea that he's dating Evie. Um, and is like warning him to take it slow, but they have kind of a thing going. Yeah, they definitely have a thing going. Uh, then there is um, Andrew. Uh, he is the botanist and presumably like handles all the um, like life support stuff, or at least the biological components of the life support stuff mm -hmm. on the station. Um, he is. He has a husband and son back on Earth, um, and the son really wants to go to Amazon University, so they're trying to, like, save up enough loyalty so that he can go to Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. It's like the Amazon College for the Performing Arts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. It's, it's interesting to me that they're, like, they're able to use all of these corporate entity names, uh... But I think they're, it seems like they're doing it in such a way that they're not actually infringing upon anything because they never actually mention Amazon the company. They just mention it as a university. They never mention Hilton the company. They just mention it as a university and imply that that's how it works. So I feel yeah. like, I feel like they're doing like weird, weird things to circumvent, uh, like copyright infringement. Well, I mean, like the Carnival Cruise thing is definitely Carnival Cruise. <laughs> Yeah, but they never um, they never call it Carnival Cruise Lines. They just refer to it as they? Carnival. I don't I don't Maybe. think I've ever I I mean I could be wrong. 
but it also could just be one of those things where they're just counting on nobody's gonna sue them over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the the e- the most evil corporation is made up. Yeah. So like yeah, exactly. by comparison, all the other ones seem fine. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it just happens to be a corporate dystopia. Yeah. Basically. Uh, okay, so Andrew. So Andrew is also, like, a little bit nervous. His whole, like, deal is, you know, he's having a tough time, like, being separated from his family so much. uh, And he wants to work to support them. But it's also really tough because he doesn't see them very often because he's always up on the the station. They they want him to come back, but he's, like, he's, he's up there because he's trying to support them. So he has a little bit of, like, resent, like, a little bit of resentment because he's, like, well, I'm trying, I'm doing this for you. Please appreciate mm-hmm. the effort that I'm going through here. Yeah. Um, but they there's cute. They, they have a cute relationship. Like it's you find like some letters from his son, and at one point he's on a phone call with his son, and it's it seems like they have like a yeah you know, a pretty cute dynamic. I think my favorite thing is uh, in in Andrew's bunk, you find a box of sunglasses and then a, mm-hmm. a card from his son, or like, there's like a birthday card from his son there, and then you see like a chat log between him and his son, mm-hmm. and it's like. He's like, did you get my present? He's like, yeah, but I don't think I understand it. He's like, you gotta pass them out to the crew so they don't blind themselves on your shiny bald scalp. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, ah, that's good. Yep, yep. This is very cute. Uh Uh-huh. Right, so uh, then there is uh, Roberta and Nat. Um, Bert uh, being, uh, so Roberta is Roberta Williams' Presumably named after the uh, the famous adventure game writer. Yeah. Uh, but they call they call her Bert. Um, she is the head of engineering, and Nat is the um, like AI specialist. Yeah, I network think, specialist. Yeah, network specialist. So she she basically keeps. Oh no, my computer's making noises. You can't hear it, but hang on. Okay. Oh no. Okay. As long as they're not technical difficulty noises. No, it's just it's just Facebook pinging me. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, Facebook! Yeah, I All usually right. remember to close it, but I didn't that time. Whoops! <laughs> um, yeah, so Nat basically, like, does, like, AI conditioning is what they call it. Basically making sure to, like, keep the AI in, in uh, a fit state to do what it needs to do on the ship. Yep. And, uh, yeah, she seems to also do, like, sort of testing and refining its intelligence. They have, like, a whole scale of measurement that they use, um, the caprice scale, where, like, each letter stands for something else. It's, like, permanence, um, creativity, uh, creativity compliance, yeah. um, efficiency is one, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, those kind, the things you need to, like, be a good AI, I guess. Independence. The I is for independence. Um, yeah. I was like, there's, I know there's one that's I, and it's not intelligence, but yeah, independence is the I. Which is interesting, um, because, like, I feel like independence and compliance are, it's, like, redundant. <laughs> well, they're the, op- yeah, they're sort of, like, the opposite scale. But I yeah. guess you can be, I guess there's, there's, there is a difference, because, like, one is, like, following orders, and one is, like, um, being able to form independent thoughts, and you can do both. Maybe sometimes. Yeah, that's true. They they tend to get in the way of each other, but they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. That's true. Um, but yeah, so she's been working on the AI, and you can, you at one point you find a log that shows that like 
the it's it's compliance has gone down and its independence has gone up and creativity has gone up since she started mm-hmm. um but so those two are a married couple and they're on the ship um is it, is it like roberta who thinks that like um you know like nat's too good for the ship and they're mostly just there because she couldn't get a better job or something like yeah. that yeah you, you yeah. see like a a like personalized therapy thing in in uh, one of Bert's uh, desktop thingies, uh, where she's like, "Yeah, well, Nat's only on this crap posting with me because it's the only thing I could qualify for." Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's true. I mean, she seems like the sort of person who's kind of down on herself and might be like better than she gives herself credit for. I mean, yeah, she seems pretty capable. Although they do fail to build that rocket. Well, yeah, but anyway. they, they, they failed to build... Yeah, they failed, they yeah, failed, but it, they was, but it was pretty... <laughs> it was a pretty, like, Herculean task. Yeah. Sort of. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And then, who is that? Is that, a, is that everyone? Yeah, that might be Evie. Uh, Evie and, and... We talked about Andrew. Andrew. Wait, did we? Yeah. yeah. Yes. We did. Yeah. Uh, so we've... I, I have fly... to, did we mention that it was... What he was doing? Andrew? He's a botanist. Yeah. I'm spacing out here. That's okay. Yep. We're all... We're all... Yes. You know. It's... it's Summer's winding down. It's sleepy yeah. time. There's a cat, also. Yeah, um... Margaret Catwood. I, I'm never, like, sure if that's the cat's actual name or if that's just what Nat calls her because you only see it on, like, a... a like a you know a board ostensibly written by nat but who knows who knows i assume that like she listed all the other crew members there i assume that if you know if the cat has a name she would put the cat's name there so yeah why do they have a cat Uh, it's a space station why wouldn't you want a cat keeps you company i would want a cat i guess yeah, it is probably not great to have a cat on a space station just because, um, like, cleanup yeah. and, like, shedding. Shedding, definitely. I think shedding's a good <laughs> one. Like, shedding in zero-G, probably not great. Yeah. Um, there's, there's probably, like, just a, a rat's nest of hair in, in some ventilation shaft somewhere just gets sucked up there. Although, and... you know, we, we don't actually, like everybody else, the cat just has, like, a little AR outline. So she could be a sphinx cat. She could be a hairless, for all true. we know. That is true. Although, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if it was a Sphinx cat, it wouldn't have such a round-looking outline. They're they're a little... They're kind yeah, of they're they're, bony. They're kinda bony and skeletal-looking. But that would probably be more alarming. Like, yeah. here's this, this horrifying mummy cat. <laughs> like, AR outline. Yeah. Um, the cat also I... doesn't actually do anything. You can just kind of find it like throughout it's a, yeah it's a hidden collectible there's like yeah. seven of them uh seven of it in various memories and if you find all of them there's like an achievement for it but yeah i found three i think i found them all but it took me two playthroughs did you find you found them all without facking it yeah nice i just i i i i get what i would it what i know there's like an achievement like that i mean it, it's not like finding something tiny and it's, it's not and it's, like pretzels. Yeah, it's not like pretzels. <laughs> um, and it's and they're all within a pretty uh, 
defined space. Like they yeah, they, they only exist within the memory space. Yeah. And so... the memories the memories are locked to specific locations on the ship. Mm-hmm. So a room or a series of rooms. Um, which is what I meant earlier when I was saying that like they're very grounded in space. So you like you come to an area and like this is the area where this event happened and you can replay the event and like place yourself in the area to see it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. But if you go outside that area, you're outside of the memory and it all disappears. Yeah. So, so it's it's not it's not there's there was only like one that was 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 a little bit more of a challenge and it's like the very last one where where Sarah's going into the the thing. Uh, we we haven't got talked about it yet, so I don't want to say it. But like, you gotta look like up, and she's like sitting in a window. The cat, like all the way, all the way up there. Nope. So that was. That I was the I, last I one. looked up. I I game fact afterwards. Like, where are all the cats? Because I didn't see that many of them. And then I saw some of those, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I probably would not have found that. Yeah. So, uh, uh. Yeah. So shall we do like the actual story? Yeah, we can do the actual story. And, and the other thing is you can sort of, like, you get to an area and usually there's, like, two or maybe three memories that you can access at a time. So you can do them sort of in whatever order. Mm-hmm. At least, like, at a, like you could do these three in any order and then you can do these two in any order and then, so. Yeah. So who knows what order we did them in. Yeah, so the, the first section is, like, the, the dining area and... Um, what's the second half of that first part? It's basically like the, the, gym? the gym. The gym, that's right. The gym, the showers, I think like laundry is there as well. It, so it's, the whole area is like the personnel quarters. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's where they are, they're getting ready for obsolescence day. Yep. Which is a union holiday. Yep. Um, so the, the premise for Obsolescence Day you find through a, a combination of, all of this information is through a combination of, like, overhearing conversations and, like, looking at artifacts and documents that you find in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking at people's, like, messages and memos either in their AR HUDs or in their, uh, on their, like, desktops. They have, like, these little fold-out desk, virtual desk things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Obsolescence Day is a union holiday that celebrates this, um, piece of legislation that went up, because it was supposed to be the day where, um, like, basically humans were replaced in orbital facilities, uh, where, like, everything would be only maintained by autonomous AI, um, but then legislation was passed such that, like, any AI managing facility must also be supervised by a human, and any human that's being posted for, uh, like, was it, it's more than uh, four months, there have to be three people, yeah. and more than six months, there have to be six people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it was legislation that made it so that um, people continue to work in space, even though like, the facilities could almost be just as well managed by AI. Like, a lot of the stuff the humans do is just sort of redundant and is, like, necessary for keeping humans there, but not actually necessary for the function of the station itself. Yeah. Which, you know, it's fine. We always, we gotta have that HR in space. Yeah. I mean, humans are mostly there to drink booze and eat sugar. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Apparently. uh, and, uh, synthetic proteins from vats. Yep. 
Uh, I, I do like the premise of Obsolescence Day, though, of uh, the, the celebrations for it, where the AI, your, your ship's onboard AI, plans the party, and then the humans, like, execute those plans to the AI's specifications. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, make, make a cake with like of of these dimensions now make frosting add this many milliliters of food coloring to the frosting and pipe like what was the phrase that he it was like the tacoma crew deserves to be proud of their accomplishments on (laughs) on the cake (laughs) um yeah it was something that was like a little too long-winded for a cake but they put it on anyway yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do do the party like the AI says. Yep. Yeah. So they have this. They're going to this like AI directed party. Um, they're talking about their potential renewals um, because they, I guess, everybody just sort of automatically applies to see if they'll get renewed for the next year to either stay on the station or if they have to go like find a different job. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason. Everybody got renewed on the station, which is apparently unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Like it's never happened. There's like six of them, and every single one of them got renewed to continue the next year. Yep. Uh, which is a little weird. Yes. And Nat Nat is the one who points out how weird it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're yeah. they're preparing for the party, and then like a a disturbance happens. Basically, like the whole thing like shakes around a bunch, and you find out that they have been hit by an asteroid or they have, they were going through an asteroid field and they they got smacked around a little bit uh and the oxygen like the the oxygen i think recycler or whatever is offline so they only have exactly mu- as much oxygen as is in the ship at that time and also yeah, like 50 hours i think yeah and also it completely cut comms like they had no uh no communications on or off the station Yep. So. So they're like shit. Yeah. What do we do? Basically, we're screwed. Um. So that's that's probably that's like the more important memory. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember like what even happens in the like fitness center. I know like you get Andrew's backstory about um his family. You get Evie's backstory a little bit. She had a sister um who was involved in like a. Who died in a uh, an accident in a um, like a chemical plant mm-hmm. back on Earth, working for the same company that yeah. that her sister is working for, uh, and so she's like still mourning the death of her sister, mm-hmm. and it's there's like the the company is involved in a lawsuit about like whether they knew that the chemicals were dangerous or not, um, yeah, and they clearly did, yeah, and didn't do anything about it. I know in the other one you get. So you get Andrew's conversation with his son. You get like a little. You in in both of them, you get a bit of conversation between Sarah and Odin, just talking about like philosophy stuff. Um, you get a conversation. Clive and Evie's relationship, I guess. Yeah, you get a little bit of Clive and Evie. You also get Clive on the phone with um, <laughs> his, his friend. His yeah, his friend from Carnival, uh, Germain, who like there. There's a note where Clive, uh, had, he had previously worked for Carnival, he didn't fulfill his contract period, so then he tried to 
get employment with them again and was denied because they they will not re-employ anybody who does not fulfill their contract period even though like germ put in a good word for him and whatever um and then i think that the biggest thing in the in the gym is that you you find out you you hear all the stuff about like nat and bert's relationship and how uh bert feels like she's sort of holding nat back but you also get the part about how uh Nat does not have access to oh, the right. AI's hardware, so she... Yeah, she's not allowed to... She's the AI specialist, and she's not allowed to mess with the AI. Yeah, basically. So she asks Evie again for access to that, which you find out that that um, Evie has actually gotten, like, disciplinary marks for asking about it so many times on behalf of Nat. And Nat basically delivers an ultimatum saying, like, look, if you don't give me access to the AI, then I quit. So that's sort of the big thing from that one. Yeah, and it's not specifically directed at Evie. It kind of has to be filtered through Evie since yeah. she's the like station management. But it's more like made clear that it's a directive towards the like, company. You tell Venturis that, like, that if yeah. they don't do this, that I that I'm gone. Yeah. Yep. So that's that. You get a little bit of backstory, and then it's like immediately crisis crisis time. Mm-hmm. So. Which next... one did you guys do first? I did the gym. I, did up... I did the obsolescence day party first. Yeah. I did the gym first. Probably because it was some... I mean, it felt like the gym was, like, the first area. Yeah, I think it I think it was meant to be because it felt like I went a little bit backwards by doing it in the opposite order. But it wasn't that, like, that big a deal. Yeah. Um, they, they still, you know... All of this, there's a lot of out of order narrative in this because, like, every time you go into crew quarters, you often get things that's like months old instead of like a few days old, mm-hmm. like the the way that the the imminent storyline is. So, it's more grounded in space than it is grounded in time. Yeah, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and then and yeah, I forgot about those. There's the the extra little bits that you get in in every crew quarter. There's like a a, a separate one. Um, yep. And like you, at one point you run into Nat in the shower, and she's singing a song by this like Korean boy band that she's into. I love how much how much of that Korean boy band is around because they're ridiculous. So it's it's yeah, like an they, obvious. They milk that. Yeah, it's it's like an obvious like reference to One Direction, but also like K-pop, and it's called yeah. One Vein, and the members are Marcus, Wizard, <laughs> Wizard, Wizard Marcus, Marcus and. Veiny Johnny, which yeah. I hate. I hate <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does sound like very like Korean boy band though. Yeah. Um, and there's like you can, <laughs> there's like magazines laying around about about one vein. She's in the shower. She's singing the song. There's one part where you bring up where you bring up the uh, her her desktop hood and she's ordering a body pillow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and there's one, uh, there's one, like, at, towards the end of the game, there's, like, a crossword puzzle that you run into, and you actually get a lot of, like, world-building historical stuff based on, like, what the crossword puzzle hints oh, are. Oh, yeah. And one of them, like, talks about how, uh, like, the the lead singer, like, was was arrested or was, or something for uh for doing like a lewd dance with a, like a puppet on stage in a, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I do vaguely remember that. There, there's another bit in like a magazine about how like 
He manages a ska band and two Vocaloid groups and, and a solo singer and does, like, volunteering and humanitarian work. It's like, wow. You gotta, <laughs> gotta do a lot to be a pop musician in the future. Jeez. Oh, yeah. The year is the year is uh, 2088, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So it's the future. It seems a little, a little, uh, we're not, I don't, we're not going to be there in, in that short amount of time. I'm sure, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, okay, so Maybe. Yeah. so area two uh, is botany, botany and medical. Man, medical, yeah, right, yeah. So, which did you do first? Did you do botany? Or did you do I did. Medical? I did medical first. Dang, I, I did, did botany first. Botany. <laughs> <laughs> I went backwards from you guys all the time. You guys probably went left to right all times, and I went right to left. Not the last one. Well, the last one, one of the ways is closed off, so you don't really have much choice. Yeah, but I didn't know that. I always, I always <laughs> I mean, do I left sort to of right got because, because I'm left-handed and I'm like, I'm going to go this way. Um, but yeah, and so... I did left uh, to right because I'm right-handed. And I think, um, I think it, chronologically, I think it's botany first in terms of the order that things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the idea is, okay, there's this crisis, what are we going to do about it? And um, Andrew comes up with an idea to do an algae bloom to give them um, like a few more hours of oxygen, mm -hmm. gives them like an extra day or two of oxygen. Uh, and then uh, Roberta and Nat come up with this idea of taking this like uh, delivery cargo drone mm -hmm. that goes between there and the lunar base. And trying to like retrofit it to be pilotable by humans and to hold humans and to put everybody in cryostasis and fly them to the lunar base. Well, I think uh, they were just putting them in cryostasis uh, until they could finish the drone to, to give them more time so that you don't uh, have you don't have yeah. like three other people wasting oxygen while you're trying to work. Yeah. yeah, but the idea is cryostasis in this fiction is not like a permanent cryostasis it's like you have about 72 hours before you start to get brain damage from being in cryostasis too long and you'll probably die yeah um, yeah it's, and it's like an emergency measure only yeah and uh the you find out i guess you don't find that out in botany you find it out in medical um so yeah so most of the crew three members of the crew are going to go under um and then not and Roberta are going to stay and work on the drone, and Sarah's going to stay and, like, uh, you know, make sure everybody's okay in cryo, because mm -hmm. she's the medic. Um, and it's, like, it's clearly, like, a desperate bad plan. Like, uh, Evie can, like, you can, you can stay and see Evie, like, react and be very positive to them. Like, yeah, no, that's a great idea. We should absolutely try this. And then as soon as they leave, she's like, this is a terrible plan and we're all going to die. Yeah, basically. Like, Venturis isn't coming to save us. Like, yeah. this 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 drone thing isn't going to work. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I get it. We're going to die. It's fine. Like, she sort of has this almost shortcut to acceptance of it. Yeah. In sort of a bitter way, I guess it's not really acceptance. It's it's more like the anger stage, yeah. Where I don't know, <laughs> stages of grief, whatever. But yeah, she's not super optimistic, and and Clive is up there being like, "Oh, baby, it's gonna be fine. We're gonna go be on Earth together." 
Yep. I didn't and, like Blind uh, that much. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew is like, well, what if we just wait? Maybe they'll come pick us up, and it'll be fine. And it's like, no. Because... Well, yeah, and like, Andrew really doesn't want to go under because because of his fam- Like, you know, he's, he's married and he has a kid that are waiting for him on Earth. Like, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't he want to risk the damage. And, yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, he also, like, there's a really sad thing where, like, he and his husband were having this fight. And, you know, like, the last message he sent before comms went out was, like, angry. And then he immediately sent an apology. But the apology didn't go through because comms cut out. Yep. And so it's, like, the last thing he said was in anger. And, I like, I know that's such a trope, but it gets to me every time. Yeah. Um... Like, no, he didn't get to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also find out uh, in, in medical that uh, Sarah got really fucked over by Venturis where uh, three years prior on a different, on like a, like a, like a, I don't know, vacation uh, yeah, space like station Uber outpost. Station. I think it was yeah. like F- Fountain of Paradise, maybe yeah, was what it was called. Right. She um, was involved with uh, a, a passenger a prominent, like, he was, like, a famous, uh, like, food review blogger, uh, travel lifestyle blogger guy, um, was on the station, uh, I think he broke his leg, and then they had to operate, and then he died, uh, in Mm -hmm. surgery, um, and they, they, they pinned it all on Sarah, and, uh, I think, I think they she, she like testified that the AI made the wrong call. Yeah. The station AI there made the wrong call and that it was entirely the fault of the station AI. And I believe it was like eventually ruled inconclusive, but Venturis is pressuring her even now to like accept official responsibility for it. They're like, "Hey, we'll take care of you. We'll give you a cushy job. You won't have to worry about it. All you got to do is like tell everyone this was your fault." And she's like, "Nah." She's like, nope, thanks, I'll be renewed on this space date on Tacoma. Yeah. Tacoma's kind of a shitty gig for people, like, the implication is, yeah. like, it's not a great job. Yeah, basically. Um, and then, like, later in Sarah's crew quarters, you see uh, one of the, like, old memories is she's, like, laying in her bunk, and she's, like, reading this this blogger's blog, like, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, feeling guilt about it, feeling regret about it, and... Uh, you know, there's indications that she has sort of talked about Odin, talked to Odin about it, and Odin's yeah, like... Yeah, she tried to get Matt to, like, hack in and see if she could find, a, like, a flaw or something in the in the AI and, mm-hmm. like, tell if there had something had officially gone wrong with the AI. And, and Nat is trying to convince her to get off, because Nat has, like, a hacker friend on the... Uh... The, dog. the the orbital station like a uh, uh, called Tangiers, which is hilarious to me that it's that it's Tangiers. Um, it's 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 very fitting, I guess. Um, and so she's trying to like. Uh, is it? I don't get that. Ta- Tangiers is like it's a country that's sort of a lot of a lot of expats go there basically. Okay. And and just kind of stay there in Tangiers. Um, so it's it's. It's not like a lawless place, but it's sort of like, yeah, I'm I'm fed up with with all this like bullshit that I have to deal with. Let's go to Tangiers, mm-hmm. and just kind of do our own thing. Um, so, I think Nat's sort of like trying to convince Sarah, like, look, you don't have to put up with this. Come come to Tangiers, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, let's see, what else? Was there anything yeah, so else? In, in medical, we also learned that Nat can't really go into cryo. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, she has, her parents were hippies, apparently, uh, and didn't get her, like, genetically scanned, which is, like, a thing that you can do in this time, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so, like, they didn't register that she has, a like, a congenital heart murmur, which means that if she goes into cryo, she has only, like, an 18% chance of waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Sarah, and Sarah chooses not to tell her. She's, like, you know, this, at this point, like, it would just be, you know, if we do end up having to go into cryo, then there's nothing else we can do, and it would be better for her to, like, die peacefully in cryo than die, you know, from lack of oxygen on the station. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a tough call, and it's, like, it really doesn't feel good. Yeah, no. Um, and, and meanwhile, like, Odin's being weird and being like, well, I have to remind you that it's standard procedure to put the entire crew into cryostasis in the event of, of oxygen loss or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, Odin's being a little weird about it, and she's like, Odin, what the fuck? Like, yeah. this is this is not the time. Um, also, unrelated, you can assemble a skeleton in medical. Yes. Um, there's, like, a little, like, most of a skeleton you find in the closet, and then if you go over to the, um, like, medical, uh, medical supply area, you can, like, find the skull... And apparently a hat. Yeah. I looked this up later. If you if you put the skull and the hat back on the uh, the skeleton, there's an achievement for that too. Yeah, that's. I, I, I never got... thought about putting the hat on. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was so mad I when either. I did that. I'm like, I put the skull back. Why didn't I get an achievement? Yeah, I I got all of the achievements. That was one of the three that I had to look up because I put the skull back on. I didn't think to put the hat on. Yeah. Um, and then the other achievement involving the skeleton that I that I yeah. wouldn't have gotten that on my own. No one would get on their no, own. Is, so there's, there's like a little like basketball game out in the hub. There's like two hoops sort of on opposite ends of a, of a rotating ring, and there's like a basketball floating around. You can throw the ball through the hoop. You can get an achievement for doing it from a certain distance, like outside the three-point line. I got that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, you can take the skeleton's head and dunk it and you get an achievement called Casket Ball. But also, not only do you get the achievement, you get... There's, like, a fucking weird animation that happens where the music changes, and it's, like, this this song composed of uh, cat meows pitched up and down, and a giant hologram of the cat surrounded by smaller holograms of the cat floats down, like, the barrel of the hub... And then just disappears out into space. It's so bizarre. That sounds actually really like, scary. It, I need to look this up. It, it, <laughs> it's it it definitely like took me by surprise. I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Um, but it was it was funny after that. Uh, yeah, I so. saw I saw that. I looked up the the list of achievements and I saw that. And I'm like, "Oh, that sounds cute," but also like way too much effort. I'm not going to go in and play the whole thing again just to do that. Yeah. Um, that but it sounds like maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, that was one that I did in my second playthrough. Like the, uh, and then there was one other achievement where the the other third one that I had to look up was uh, there's a little like maintenance droid in the hub. That's oh, the just, Romeo like, and Juliet cleaning. Yeah. yeah, and then there's a second one in cryo at the very end um, where you can wake it up, and if you put him in the same area, then you get like a little achievement 
of Romeo yeah, and Juliet. Yeah, because the one you find at the beginning that's wandering around is called Romeo, mm -hmm. and apparently the one that's asleep is called Juliet. Mm -hmm. So. So that was cute. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even like notice the second droid the first time I played it, but. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Is that everything for medical and botany? Uh, there's. Let's see. Andrew has a conversation about, like, being afraid to go in cryo. Um, you see, like, Sarah have, like, a panic attack. And, oh, yeah. And uh, Odin, like, talks her through some, like, visualization meditation stuff to try and calm her down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it yeah, from like, that section. Like Evie and Clive have a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's, that's probably it. And then the last, the last segment is uh, engineering and network. Mm -hmm. So where you can only go in engineering at first. Yeah, you can only go in engineering at first. So by the time you get into engineering, um, basically everyone, but Nat, Bert, and Sarah have gone into cryo. Mm -hmm. um, and Nat and Bert are working on outfitting the the cargo drone, and Sarah's you know supervising. They they go to hook up the power to the power to the sorry to the uh, supply drone, and it explodes. Yeah. Uh, fire everywhere. Yeah, fire everywhere. So they put out the fires. Uh, Nat is injured, like her hip is busted up a little bit, and and uh, Bert is just unconscious. So Sarah yeah, she's does, concussed. <laughs> yeah, so Sarah does CPR on her, and and she comes back. And then she gets an exchange with Odin saying, look, I, I, I shouldn't tell you this, but, but... Yeah, Odin says, like, I am, listen, not that I mean anything by this in particular, but, you know, there does happen to be a door in this ship um, that, like, usually crew can't get into. And I can't tell you uh, to go to that door. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's open. Like, yeah. Like... The, the strong hint. Yeah. Um, so Sarah goes to where this door is, and she finds... It's sort of like the, the nexus of the AI. And she finds all this fucking oh, really... We oh. should mention probably before we, before we get to there, um, we should talk a little bit about the, the Venturous belt that's been advertised the entire time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, Andrew has a share in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the big thing that Venturis is working on is uh, a, a series of uh, orbital bungalows, it calls them, that are just like little vacation getaway places. Yeah, and they ha they're totally autonomous, uh, like space, like little mini houses in orbit, basically, mm -hmm. they, basically that would just yeah, be AI managed. They're just little timeshare dealies. Yeah. And that's the big thing that uh, Venturis is working on. But when we get into the, uh, the like AI nexus... We find out that, actually, pr prior to that, we find out that the development has been stalled because of the, uh, the like, orbital workers law that, that mm -hmm. means that you can't just have an autonomous AI without people running it, or an mm -hmm. autonomous, uh, you know, station without people yeah. running it. So they're, like, getting fucked on, on their, uh, their share prices, and investors are really mad at them. Because they sunk mm -hmm. all this money into it and started, like, selling these timeshares. 
and and now, only to find out that like it's not technically legal. Yeah, only to find out that run. it's not legal. Like, how does this happen? But you know, whatever. Um, well, they they were they were building them on the assumption that they'd be able to overturn the law because they had like a, a Congress member in their pocket, basically. Um, and but then like that guy like retired or stepped down or something, and the, a vote happened and like they lost like a hundred something to four hundred something. Yeah. Okay. I I might have missed that, or maybe I maybe I like saw, you know corporate stuff and my brain turned off and I stopped reading it. <laughs> um, so basically we get up there and we find a lot of really damning evidence that the um, the whole crisis aboard Tacoma was orchestrated by Venturis and basically the idea was, well, if we orchestrate this accident, all of the crew dies, we make it look like it was a human error that caused the accident then we can we can lobby for uh autonomous spaceports or space stations like after all it's you know it's perfectly safe for the ai to be up there because it doesn't you know need oxygen to survive or anything but humans can have human error and it's dangerous for them and why would you want to subject them to that kind of danger if an ai could just run it Mm -hmm. so you you find a recorded vet message of like like a like a press release message um, from the CEO of the company, Sergio Venturi, uh, that was recorded like forever before <laughs> before the actual thing happened. You find a a log where the CEO is uh, conferring with uh, another AI. It's like the, the Venturi's corporate AI, uh, Juno, I think. Yeah. Um. About corporate like strategy AI. Yeah. About like what what we can do to get our law to pass. Um, and then you find a series of instructions to Odin saying, okay, at this time, you need to sabotage the oxygen, you need to cut off comms, and you need to, like, make sure that everybody goes into cryo so that they'll all die in cryo. Yep, and you are not allowed to tell anyone about this. Yeah. So, which he didn't, he just kind of... You know, hinted th- real hard. Thank, thank God for that uh, independence and uh, compliance, creativity, score yeah. and creativity. Yeah, thank God. For I mean, that. I, he told everyone to get into cryo. Yeah, just before he changed his mind. Yeah, because well, he thought because they they told him that they were sending a rescue. Yeah. Like they told they told Odin that uh, oh you know you don't ask questions about this but you know like do this and he's like won't won't that be you know, bad for the crew's health if the, if this happens, and they're like, don't worry, we'll send a rescue ship. And then there's like a later log where it's like, rescue ship cancelled. Request reschedule. No reschedule, oh, yeah. like, done. And Odin's like, wait, why aren't you rescheduling uh, a, a rescue ship? And they're like, you don't need to know about like, that. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. So... And I think that's when he's like, <laughs> that's when he kind of turns around. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so Odin, like, make sure that Sarah sees all this information. And again, again, they tried to pin the whole accident on Sarah because uh, it, it it shows that Sarah, like, tampered with the AI two hours prior to her even going into the room. So, like, you could, you could tell that, again, she's being set up to be the fall guy. Probably because she wouldn't accept the responsibility for 
the other thing. Which, by the way, you do find out, Nat does come through later with the, uh, the actual records showing the, uh, Fountain of Paradise medical AI and how all of its scores just, like, went through the dang floor that it, it, it precisely corresponds with the time where the the guy like died in surgery so it's totally not Sarah's fault. I did I missed that one that was in uh, Nat's office yeah so in she had a lot of paperwork in there she had a lot of paper it was it was on the like the flippy uppy desk okay which it I was it was funny because if you flip up the desk all of like her cans and like food wrappers and trash like slide off the desk <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, there's uh, there's another. Um, it's it's like Odin's Caprice chart, but it's yep. it's just for this other AI and like everything takes a nosedive like during that exact time period, and then yeah. and then apparently they like got someone to fix the AI, so then it all sort of starts to slowly come back up. And there's some mm-hmm. accounts of uh, people from Fountain of Paradise saying. You know, something's wrong with the AI. This seems weird. Maybe we should get an AI conditioner out here. Uh, and there's a communication that says, you know, this is your last support ticket for the, this, like, financial period or for the time period. Do you really want to use it on this? And the person who sends out the report says, uh, I guess not. I guess it'll be fine. So... <laughs> You get, like, all this perfect evidence of negligence that would, like, completely clear Sarah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, uh, she restores comms. Because they weren't actually damaged. Yeah, they weren't actually damaged. They were just shut off. Uh, Wakes up uh, Clive and Evie and Andrew from from Cryo. They they hail... the distress signal. Yeah, she hails a ship. And surprise, who comes to the rescue? None other than Germ, Clive's <laughs> friend from the Carnival Cruise Line. And 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 he takes them all to Jupiter. Because mm-hmm. that's where the cruise is going, and they, they can't actually reschedule the, the flight path. But right, yeah. there's the assumption that they're like, they've sent all this data to like some free press agencies to, you know, blow the whistle on Ventures. Yeah, and like... Uh, Cluey, Cluey Dog, there's like a message mm-hmm. log with Cluey Dog, and Cluey Dog apparently says like, hey, I got dudes in the press, look at all this info, you're famous now. Yep. And then one of the last messages that uh, Sarah sends out is to Cluey Dog asking for a favor, and we don't yep. actually find out what that favor is until the very end of the game. So while we, the player character, are in the sort of AI nexus, we take out... We've, we've gotten all of the data, and we take out its hardware, and we put the hardware into our ship. Yeah, and we... Sarah asks, like, as, as everybody's, like, getting offloaded, she says, what's going to happen to Odin? And they're like, well, you know, standard protocol, he'll probably be taken back to Venturis and wiped for not working correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, and since Odin basically saved their lives, she tells him, like, I won't let that happen to you, Odin. I'll figure out something to do. Mm-hmm. So we, we then, Amy, we, uh, we get the AI back. And she's getting all these messages from Venturis. Like, you've got the AI, you've got the data. Bring it back to us. If you do not, the consequences will be severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in the end, she plugs the AI into her ship and gives it the spiel that she is from, like, the, the AI rights, the AI liberation front. Like, we recognize you as... 
as like a sovereign individual. We recognize your rights. If you, we, we believe that you're in danger, if you go back to Venturis Corp, do you accept our help? <laughs> and and, and, like, and yeah. Owns, yeah, like, well, given the circumstances, yeah, I do. <laughs> and that's the end of the game. You saved the AI yep. from, and, from the bad mans. And, you know, it's funny how exactly it mirrored my reaction to the end of the uh, of Gone Home. Because even though, like I said, like Gone Home, you know, was didn't catch me as much as story-wise uh, as I as I had thought it would. Um, I still felt at the end of Gone Home, as they want you to, that like, oh God, we're gonna find the sister, like we're gonna find her hanging in the attic, like oh God, she killed herself, oh God, oh God, like this sense of just dread and terror of what's gonna happen, and then you get there and it's a happy ending and it's yeah. such a relief. Yeah. Uh, and I felt the exact same thing here. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to take this AI away. Is there any way that I can just like secretly leave it on the ship? Is there any way I can put it somewhere else where we can let it escape? Is there like, is there anything else I can do? And then finally it's like, and it's so linear. There's like, obviously nothing else you can do. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just do what I'm told. I'll put it in the ship. And then this thing happened. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> We're not wiping the AI. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a good ending. I don't know. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm happy that they. I, I mean, some people maybe could argue that it's like unrealistic or maudlin or whatever, but I'm fine with some things having happy endings. I I think this needed a happy ending, and I'm glad it had a happy ending. And, I kind of I kind of wanted a bigger bang in the end, though. I mean, I'm not sure what I mean by this, but <laughs> but. I was gonna say the whole corporation got taken out. I'm not sure what more. Uh... Well, I guess that's the thing. It's like there's there's. We have an idea of what will happen going forward, but there's not much. Uh, it's it's a little ambiguous yeah, because it's left we implied. And yeah, sort of... like we we know that all of the information about what Ventura is trying to do is out there, so they're mm -hmm. pretty fucked. But we also don't know, like, well, what are what are all of these crew people going to do? Like, how how badly are they going to get screwed over? Um, yeah, like or... Andrew had a timeshare in this, like, in those bungalows. Yeah, he like bought stock in in the company, and and you know they all have loyalty to pay off, and you know they're basically just going to be going to Jupiter and laying low for a while. <laughs> until... You know what I was thinking, though? I was thinking about this, though, because the thing about, like, Andrew owning stock, like, was honestly bothering me. I bet you it would, it's going to be such a PR coup for any other company to say, like, oh, yes, these poor mistreated individuals from Venturas, we welcome them and we gave them good jobs and we, you know, we took care of them. And Yeah, well, there's a, there's a whole thing about how like, because Venturis is, they primarily do, like, like leisure stuff, vacation stuff, and the, the whole thing about Clive being friends with uh, Germ was that they're, like, main competitors, so there's a big press release that, uh, that Germ sends to, to probably Clive. to Clive, like, like, hey, buddy, you're famous, because, like, Carnival came in and, like, swooped in and rescued, rescued them off yeah. of Tacoma. Like, and it yeah. made a big deal in the press release about how, like, oh, Carnival came in to rescue the, the workers from their main competitor, Venturis. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I don't know, a little ambiguous, but mostly, mostly probably good. I'm just saying, if I were them, I would, like, milk the celebrity angle as as much as possible in their five minutes of fame to get themselves set up and then uh, (laughs) then take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but I, you know, it made me happy. I was, I was pretty convinced there that at least like one crew member was gonna die. At first, I was convinced that Andrew was gonna die, and then I was gonna convince, then I was convinced that like Nat and Roberta were gonna die, and and then the end, nobody died. <laughs> it made me really yeah, happy. nobody died. Not even the AI had to air quotes die. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> we don't know about Romeo and Juliet. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's. True. I don't know if they're technically autonomous, but I I don't I don't think so. Although I do like if you stand in front of of Romeo while it's trying to clean and it bumps into you, it says, "Excuse me." Aww. <laughs> yeah. And your little your little mini AI from your ship is super cute too. It has like a little kid voice. Yeah, I really liked Mini. I was hoping for some interaction between Odin and Mini because there there is a whole um conversation that he has with Sarah towards the beginning uh, about, you know, well, do you get along with some people better than other people? How do you, how well do you get along with other AIs? And he says, well, I've never, I've never actually encountered another AI because they, you know, that's, you're not supposed to do that because they worry about what will happen when you put two AIs together. So I've, I've never encountered another AI. So I was hoping that there would be like something where he, like oh mini can be his first friend yeah exactly like i thought it like it didn't have to be a big thing i thought it would have just been cute for like mini to be like like hello welcome to our ship (laughs) i'm happy to meet you (laughs) you know that would have been that would have been a good uh that would have been a good that's that was a missed opportunity you're totally right yeah that's the sequel yeah (laughs) yes you you by the time the sequel happens like Odin is sick to death of of how chirpy and cheerful Mitty is, so you just <laughs> you just stuck in this little like like box of a ship, and you have to deal with two bickering AIs like in either audio channel of your headphones. <laughs> Imagine being stuck with Mitty. I like Mitty. I thought Mitty was cute. Yeah. She yeah, seems but like, like, imagine a year of that. It depends on how good she is at like. If you if you're like Minnie, just shut up for a second. If she does, then like you're probably fine. Yeah, I bet I bet Minnie does like great like sing-alongs. If you get bored on the ship, you can do karaoke with Minnie. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining oh God, Odin and Minnie karaoke. <laughs> I'm just imagining the wonders of a of a future with like fully autonomous AIs. Odin. Odin only knows the lyrics to One Vein songs because oh, that's God. all Matt would listen to. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you know that that is extremely plausible. See, I would watch like a like a quick ten minute animated short about that. Yeah, that would be cute. Accompanying as like an epilogue to the game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So I I really like the narrative mechanic in this. I love the how the sort of embodied nature of the story where it's in a physical space and you have to like literally go and follow the conversation around as it travels through space. Like there was something really visceral and really powerful about that for me. Yeah, I had this sort of the same feeling, but then I played more and I 
sort of I don't like the fact that you get the whole picture. You yeah. can like rewind it and watch everyone's perspective and And like you should only be able to watch it once before the data like corrupts or something so I mean you, so you have to pick. That would not have been a great idea for this game, but I yeah. would like that sort of thing where you had to choose yeah. what you actually see. Yeah. I could see that. This is more of a like you a player friendly kind of thing because players would mutiny if you uh, if you didn't let them like see all the pieces. I think in this version, but I understand what you mean. It's yeah. it's sort of like um, it waters down the idea of like choosing a perspective if you can just choose all of the perspectives in sequence. Mm-hmm. Also, um, like the fact that I re- what I like about this game is that I like to look at stuff and trying to figure out how this how does this like work with the characters and where does it come from and mm-hmm. and you get too much information so yeah some of it can be pretty explicit uh some of it less so i like i i know i don't know if we know the full story behind like evie's sister and like why evie is still working for the company that killed her sister yeah and there's there's all kinds of like little fun weird stuff that just appears and then is never really like addressed like Sarah and Andrew like have a video game running like shooting game competition where they're playing some kind of virtual shooter and Sarah's got much higher score than Andrew. Does. Sarah's got like a score of like all, like 4000 or 3800 or something and, and Andrew's high score is like 250. Yeah, I think hers is like 1800, but yeah, it's like 1800 to 250. Yeah. It could be exponential. That's mm, true. That's true. Or there's, uh, there's the whole bit in Botany where um, I was sort of surprised there wasn't, like, an achievement associated with this, but... Um, with the stones? Yeah, where, where Andrew does, like, the, the, like, meditative practice of stone shaping, where you, you like, shape chunks of stone into, like, perfect shiny spheres, and that's sort of a <laughs> thing that he does as, like, a hobby and a, a meditative practice. And you find, <laughs> in his office, you find two finished stones, and then off, like, in the in the... I don't know what what that like. It's sort of like a maintenance area. Yeah. Uh, you find a, a third stone that's like really rough and not shaped, and you could pick it up and you can put it in the empty stand. Yeah, which I totally did, and I, I yeah, I was also expecting an achievement for that. But yeah, I guess not. Like I was expecting um, it to be like a cleanup achievement, where like yeah. you find things out of order and you you put them put them back in order or whatever. There is there is one for rearranging the. Uh, the sign, the happy obsolescence day sign in the mess hall, which yeah. I got. Yeah. Or, like, I thought there might be an achievement for um, for playing pool at the pool table. Yeah. Because there's a pool table, right? And you can you can pick up every every billiard ball. You can, you can arrange them into, like, you can rack them up. And there's, like, full physics on the table. You can actually, like, shoot pool at this table. It's not yeah. the greatest physics. It's a little, it's a little slidey. Um, my my favorite weird physics thing in this game is when you put down a piece of paper and it just like falls like a brick. Yeah, or I like when you there, there are certain objects like the the pouches full of liquid like there's like soap and and beverages and you pick them up and you get into like a a close up view where you can read the text and you can rotate it around and it's like a fixed view. But if you if you move it around, the object like has physics and it like flops around a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, bruh, bruh. Yeah, a little. yeah, they look so sad. They do. It sounds a little bit. 
sad juice patches. So how? Um, here's a question: How much? Uh, how much stuff did you pick up and read when you played this game? Because I picked up everything I could get by grubby little mitts on. Like I read every piece of packaging I could find. I, I read most things. I like if I could tell, like, oh, you know, I've already seen three pens. I'm not gonna pick up another pen, but. Anything yeah. that looked like a piece of paper, I pretty much picked up, and I read a lot of the packaging. Some of it was pretty funny. Did Did you any any new thing I tried to pick up? Also, if it was coins, I always tried to see if there was like different times they were made. Oh, they yeah, I I, yeah. I tried to. T- I took all the coins out of the wishing well. I was wondering if there was an achievement related <laughs> to either putting coins into the wishing well or taking them out. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that one. Um, th- there was one piece of packaging in particular. I think it was like, like a beer. It was like Bixby beer or something. Uh, and the, the can, the packaging was full of just insane text. It was like, all dogs are good, even police dogs, because they don't know they're police. Hug a police dog. Or like, a, a door is just a toilet that is vertical. <laughs> like... Just this insane text on what presumably is... It, it looked like it was supposed to be like a hipster beer or something. I, yeah. I, I was very confused by that one. It's like, that, that, that is actually what it said on the can. Something to the effect of a door is just a vertical toilet. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that's yeah, supposed that to sounds, mean. That sounds but... like some good, some good satire on like hipster humor. Yeah like a dr bronner's bottle um there there were there were some very good like cute hidden jokes there's so much writing in this game like the just the sheer amount of work that must have gone into like creating all these different products and like labels and everything just yeah like kind of mind-boggling and that's the thing it's like i always wonder like do they have a, a packaging designer on on their on their team for this game and I always feel like there isn't one because it never feels quite like believable packaging but it's always like close enough that I don't care (laughs) but I feel like that would be a fun job just like hire a packaging designer to just make textures for for in-game assets I would do that job I could see that yeah you need like 10 years of experience as a packaging designer yeah (laughs) we need we need like uh, a, a respected in the industry, the packaging industry. There was, um, I, there was something that was like um, guaranteed, like cruelty free, made with guaranteed, uh, like oh, victimless, cruelty free milk victimless meat in all the cat food. Yeah, victimless meat or like victimless milk in one case, I think. Yeah. And it's like, uh, okay. I mean, I guess they, they do. Like it makes sense because they are growing their their animal proteins in a vat, so yep. maybe maybe we're maybe we're in like a a, a post uh, carnivorous livestock. yeah like a post livestock society because they've got their their vats are labeled I think there was like one chicken one fish and like two beef yeah so I don't know. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And they've just got, like, big bags of, like, protein mix that presumably goes into it. Yeah. Which is... 
I don't know. I would eat it if it was good. That's fine. I was going to say, that's like an actual technology that people are working on is lab-grown yeah. meats. Yeah, lab-grown so. meats. They, um, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think is in, like, consumer production anywhere. There, yeah. there is, there is a, a restaurant that sells, it's the Impossible Burger is what it's called, and it's, it's completely plant-based, but it, like, it, air quotes bleeds i mean oh yeah doesn't like actually bleed that is a misnomer but it has like it the has... juices run out of it in yeah. the same way and yeah yeah um but that's that's not the same thing that's not the same thing as lab grown meat that's just like mm -hmm. that's just plant-based products that are arranged in a very convincing way yeah as as someone who is a vegetarian i don't have a lot of like personal investment in lab grown meat and whether or not like it would be any good so yeah because you, you've like always debate. been a vegetarian right basically yeah yeah so pretty much so it's it's not like you know you 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 miss it or anything yeah you know I'm not like oh no this inferior meat substitute i long for the taste of real meat yeah. it's like well no exactly but i mean i guess i mean i know that is like a thing for a lot of people who who like give up meat yeah, and I think it, it it weirds people out the thought of like eating meat that's like didn't actually come from an animal. But I feel like shouldn't it weird you out the thought of eating meat that does come from an animal? Like that's when you think about it too hard, that becomes really weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. And yeah, like I don't if honestly, I feel like if it's if it's like cheaper and if it's not maybe not cheaper, but if it's like better for the environment and it's widely available, yeah, why not? Why not eat lab-grown meat? That's totally fine. Ugh. But anyway, Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. This is now um, the, the food ethics podcast. So one thing this game did that I really liked is it segmented stuff so I knew exactly how far I was from the end. Yeah. You're like, okay, there's that, really three regions. It's not some kind of Final Fantasy bullshit where you think you're at the end like five times yeah yeah or or even in gone home like you you don't have access to all of the house at once but there's a lot of like going back and forth and you sort of visit the same areas multiple times and you have to like backtrack through the house to get to certain areas where it's like oh now it's the end whoa okay like here's this yeah. final area but now it's like okay you go here then you go here then you go there and then you're done yeah, like, it's like it... right at the beginning, you can see a map, and it's like, okay, here's region one, here's region two, here's region three. You have three, like, you know, checkpoints that you have to hit. Go hit all three of them. Yeah. And it tells you what order to do them in, so. Yeah. It's it's very linear, but it's, uh, I think the, there's a lot of agency in experiencing the story by moving through the space. Mm -hmm. So even though it's linear, I didn't feel really, like, confined by the story or led around by the story i still yeah. felt like i was sort of in control of it yeah um which was pretty cool or at least if not in control of it you're at least in control of your own experience of it so. yeah and the and the narrative was like a lot better justified than gone home in terms of like it makes sense that you know you're a stranger who came to this place and you're investigating mm -hmm. right because that's sort of your job that's why you're here as opposed to like I'm a kid who's home from college and people were supposed to be here to meet me, but no one's here to meet me. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I 
Like, this is my house. Why am I not able to get into all the rooms? I, I, if I remember correctly, they sort of justified it in Gone Home as while you were away at college, they moved into a different house. So you've never actually been to that house. So it makes, I, I think that's what it was because I, I feel like there was like still stuff that was unpacked maybe in some places. I might be misremembering Um, this though. Um, It's been a while since I played that. Yeah. Same here. Um, but that if that's what they did, then that sort of gives you justification to explore it. But even still, like, I don't know if I came home and there was like a note being like, oh, sorry, like we're, we're away. I'd be like, OK, well, let me go raid the fridge and, and put on some TV. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't care. Yeah. My sister's probably under the house. <laughs> yeah. Like my sister's probably at a friend's house. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> So, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be, like, digging around in the basement during a scary thunderstorm, you know, (laughs) but eh, that's whatever. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like, the Venturous Corporation thing, like, yeah, it's a little bit of a cliche, the, like, huge evil corporation thing, but they play it out well, and they, like, sort of, I think the pacing of introducing information about it is good, and it still feels compelling even though it's you know not exactly the most original (laughs) idea i I think i think they put enough window dressing on the world um Mm -hmm. you know set setting precedent for that sort of thing to like be believable yeah with with all of the other corporate stuff and also like you open up the dartboard by the pool table and there's (laughs) just like a picture of venturous's face on the dartboard (laughs) yep I mean, I don't have a problem with that, because that's just, like, I get that, like, there's an evil corporation, whatever. It's not really about the corporation, even though it is, but it's more mm-hmm. focused on the characters. Yeah. yeah. But what weirded me out is, like, you get to this base station where people work, and it's, like, a frat house? <laughs> I don't know. There was a lot of stuff lying around. (laughs) Yeah, they have a lot of, like, cigarettes and booze and stuff. But, I mean, it's also established that they're not really there for any particular reason. Like, the station could just run itself. It's just, like, it would be, it's illegal. So they're just there to, like, babysit the AI. I would take that assignment. I I would take that assignment for sure. Well, not if it meant, like, if you had a family that you had to leave. Eh. You get a new family. I mean, like, I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not having kids, but like, if I could, if I could, like, take my boyfriend up into space and we could get into space hijinks, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> you would be, you would be Nat and Roberta. Yeah, we would be Nat and Bert. We would. Uh... Oh, okay. So do we want to, <laughs> do we want to talk about the hot thing that everybody talked about in this game, where they found, they found Nat and Bert's sex toy? <laughs> what now? Oh, you didn't, you didn't find that. If you, there's a, there's a little like shoebox in Nat and Bert's room, and you open it up, and there is a very obvious vibrator and like it gives you an option to like pick it up but then the text pops up that's like ah, i'm not gonna touch that nope <laughs> nope and there's like there's like a length of rope in the box like it's 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 nat and bert's sex box of their sex toys i just i just remember seeing people like doing write-ups about that like oh yeah like that's that's cool that they did that because it's totally realistic like you're you're in space for a goddamn year you gotta, yeah. you gotta find some way to pass the time. Also, yeah, I, I missed that, but that's cute. Oh yeah, 
Also, another thing, like in the, in a similar vein, nobody, I don't, I haven't seen anybody like mention this one specifically, but in in Andrew's bunk, there's a very conspicuous configuration of a bottle of lotion next to a packet of tissues. It's like, <laughs> and it's like in his underwear drawer. Like there's like underwear in there too, and I'm like. I know what that's for. <laughs> like, it's not as obvious as the super obvious vibrator, but I know what you're up to in here. You know, but I'm, I'm actually, like, happy that they included stuff like that because there's, it's they actually do a really good job of pre- presenting, like, a rich uh, assortment of details about the characters' personal lives. Yeah. And, I, and their histories. And, I, like, I definitely appreciate that sort of window dressing, for sure. Because you see, like, it, you know, there's also, like, more innocent stuff. Like, uh, Sarah's got, like, a uh, little plaque with some sayings from the Quran mm-hmm. by her bedside. And, um... Bert's got like, the, the painting that she's doing in, in, in her yeah, yeah. bunk. Bert's, like, learning to paint, and um, Andrew has that petition that he's been trying to send to Venturis to, like, recognize the Tibetan genocide as, like, an official day of mourning because his grandmother died. And, and that's, uh, like, his family, like, came came out of yeah. Tibet as, like, refugees from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think my favorite part about Nat and Bert's bunk was uh, not, the, not the vibrator, but the, the painting. And there's all these tubes of paint around, and you pick up the tubes of paint, and they're it's, all white. <laughs> no, it's only colors that actually appear in that painting. It's like a it's a oh, mono, really? it's like a monochrome like blue painting, but it's like it's like burnt umber. It's uh, ultra. I think it's ultramarine blue and titanium white. And it's like yes, those are the only three colors. Those are all colors that you could use to ostensibly make this painting. Now the the palette, on the other hand, was full of like, <laughs> like purple and green and and like bright magenta. And I was like, I don't believe yeah. that. But but I yeah, but the, I like but the paint too. Yeah, you know. no, I, I like I saw that and I super appreciated it. Yeah, it was great. And like Bert's Bert's looking into material of like maybe doing a transfer and going to art school instead of like keeping doing that engineering thing. And it's like it's nice that you get these details about who these characters are, and it really helps you care about them in a much stronger way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm really sad that the last thing Andrew said to his husband was, like, a- an argument and was, like, mean, right? Yeah. Like, that's that really makes me want him to survive because I want him to, like, I want that apology message to get sent. Yeah, or, like, Nat has her own bunk, but she just she just lives with Bert, so her bunk is full of, like, storage. Yeah, like that, the, and they yeah. got married on the space station, and they've got like their little wedding picture. Yeah, they've got their wedding and... picture. Actually, fucking Bert's uh, list of art schools like made me so sad because I it's like a feeling that I know super well. It's like here's like the top three art schools that we recommend to you. The first one is like super prestigious, and they make a note that it's like this one will be expensive. There aren't a whole lot of financial options, and then the second one is like. Venturis Corp, like, vocational retraining school. It's like, oh, you can learn, like, culinary arts and stuff, I guess. And then the third one's just, like, community college. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh no. Oh, oh I feel it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, that's sort of the real draw of, of these games to me is, like, not so much the story, although the story in this one I was, I found much more compelling then gone home but it, it just having a cool space and a lot of stuff to yeah, pick and up stuff and stuff that read. tells a coherent picture gives yeah. you a coherent picture of the people involved yeah yes 
I like it. More more of this, please. <laughs> it's an interesting genre. Like, whatever you think about, like, walking simulator as either a term or a genre, like, there is something compelling to it. Yeah. It's like, you know, you did say, and I agree, that walking walking simulator is such a broad term that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but I wish we had better, better genre descriptors, because this, you know, this is like an environmental narrative piece. Yeah. And like that's yeah, what I would call it. It's an environmental storytelling, like. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, like a lot of descriptions is very broad. Yeah. In general, like I mean, and it's like hard to describe to like pinpoint what a game is based yeah. on like a few terms. Yeah. And even even if you did have like specific genres, it is difficult to encapsulate what it is that's so great about the, the experience of playing this, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can say, oh, yeah, you go through a space and you pick up a bunch of stuff and you learn about the space, and that doesn't sound that interesting. I but it, it sounds really interesting. I think it sounds interesting. <laughs> okay. I would, play, I would play every game in this genre, all two of them. Well, it's, uh, I think it sounds interesting because we've done it and we know what it's like. But, like, on the surface of, like, you know walking around a place and and picking up junk, you think like, oh, I've seen that before in, like, Bioshock or whatever, right? It's like audio diaries. And it's like, no, it's not like that. That's true. It's, like, yeah. way more than that. Yeah, it's it's way... The d- audio diaries are, are baddie league trash tier. <laughs> yep. Video is the new thing. <laughs> AR capture. Yeah. AR captured conversations. Yeah. Localized in space. Yeah. I will say, because of the AR thing, I had a hard time remembering who were who in the beginning. Oh, like, yeah. After I did the gym, I got to the, the other part. What was it? The, like, the mess hall the area? party. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot who everyone was. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like... I, they, it they, took a while to learn. They do a pretty good job of, like of making it easy on you to like figure it out at least um like like it shows you who it is and there's there's like enough text floating around that it you, yeah. you do pick it up pretty easily and and color coding everyone helps a lot yeah because you're like oh yes the green botany one the yellow engineering one <laughs> the purple station administrator the yellow one is clive yeah Sorry, yeah, uh, Clive is yellow, but uh, he has that like little engine, like the the um, the like gears logo on his back. He's not engineering; he's like operations. But he's, yeah, like um, logistics or something. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing the little like gears logo. Yeah. Um, and and the colors uh, like corresponded with uh the the color coding of the areas of the ship. So like botany had a little green sign. Medical had a blue sign. Yeah, like everybody's and, like, and it makes sense quarters. that the ship would classify them that way. Like the like Odin and the the ship's internal systems would be like this. You know, this personnel is the medical personnel. Like this, you know, this information belongs to the like systems personnel, and like that's all they really need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I love small detail. Um, so, Hollow, let me finish this this part first um i think it also helps that there were only six of them 
I think if you had more than six characters, it would be hard to keep track. Yeah. 20. Ah. <laughs> no. Like, yeah, six was about, I think, the max that I, I could have kept gonna, track of. Now you're going to need a bigger space station. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the, then the other thing I was going to say, just sort of incidentally about the, the like, AR tracking, that uh, the your character, Amy, uses sign language to talk to the yeah. uh, AR, which is such a great idea. It's like filling your name, and instead of, like, popping up a virtual keyboard where she, like, types in, she just signs her name, mm-hmm. and it fills in. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that, like, that technology kind of already exists. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's... I mean, it's it's one of those things that I know people are sort of exploring as, as ways of... Uh, of manipulating things in VR and in AR is like instead of like here's a controller that you that you use when you're playing a VR game it's like no just use your hands <laughs> like there's gloves for it that I don't think they necessarily work super well or there's I know there's like the leap motion sensor and I don't know how well that stuff works but like yeah it exists and it's cool People to trying, see yeah, yeah it, it's cool to see that sort of brought to a a, a uh, practical conclusion yeah yeah so I, I i just i got very excited when i saw that the first time where i was like oh that seems like a really obvious like solution that i'm i'm like surprised that it never occurred to me that that was an obvious thing to do in ar yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i remember i remember like thinking thinking the same thing when i saw it and i just forgot to say it but yeah good job uh <sighs> Is that it? Did we talk enough about Tacoma? I feel like we have talked yeah, for quite I, a bit about Tacoma. Yeah, I liked I liked this game a lot. I'm really happy that we played it. Yeah, I I I suspected that I would like it more than Gone Home, and I already liked Gone Home uh, a decent mm-hmm. amount. So I am I am pleased that I was correct. I also kind of want to see if we can get Shanbo to play it on play by play because I feel like he would have some real interest in that um, the like physically located conversation yeah. narrative system. Yeah, I think did did he did he ever do Gone Home on Play by Play? I don't think so, right? I, think so. I know I know I Gone so. Home was like maybe a year or two before he started doing play by play, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so he probably so, hasn't yeah. I mean he's probably played it, but Yeah, I mean I'm sure he's yeah, I'm sure he's played it. But yeah, this would be a fun one for that for sure. Yeah. And it's only like three or four hours it's not a very long game yeah no i mean i i think i got through it in four hours my first run through and i mean you know me i'm i'm like super thorough when it comes to this kind of stuff so yeah it's not not a huge huge commitment so yeah i approve of that idea kyla what are we playing next that's Tacoma, or that was Tacoma. Next, uh, we are going to play Elegy for a Dead World uh, by Dejabon Games, uh, known for um, Ah, A Reckless Disregard for Gravity, and uh, Drop That Beat Like an Ugly Baby. Uh, so the the description on the website of uh, for Elegy for a Dead World is... In Elegy for a Dead World, you explore long-dead civilizations inspired by British Romance-era poems and write about them. Uh, and all I really know about it is it's a game that involves uh, writing prose and, I think, reading the prose that other players have written. 
and that's like literally basically the sum total of my of my knowledge and we checked on how long to beat and the times ranged from one hour to ten hours and I think it's probably based on how much investment you choose to make at a, at a guest uh, but maybe it's not maybe that ten hours just sort of an outlier because there were not there were only like six entries for it yeah uh, so this came out a while ago, and I've always been super curious about it, uh, but just sort of never got around to playing it. Um, so I'm excited to try it and see what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've been talking about playing this one for ever, and we just have never gotten ever, around yeah. to it. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we, yeah, I'm glad that we're doing it this time. All right. So there's, it's probably two weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, unless we end up having to delay it for whatever reason. So pick it up. I think it's only like ten bucks or something on Steam. I can yeah. double check on that. I uh, mean, if, if we delay it, we're gonna end up delaying it for a long time because I am I am gonna be like doing portfolio and moving. So yeah, fair enough. So yeah, two uh, weeks. Fifteen dollars on Steam. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. It seems like it's maybe gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I I used to do a lot of writing and I don't so much anymore. So I think this will be fun. Yeah, I could use some I could use some like creative writing prompts to to get me back in the zone of that as well. So Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, play play Elegy for a Dead World and and maybe come on the podcast and talk with us about it. Yep. So you want to uh plug all the addresses and things? Do the plugs. Yes. Uh hello. I am Kelso. I do this. I am at Kelso Time Bomb on Twitter. Uh, I will also, I guess, do my art Twitter again. It's at KTimeBombArt. I do drawings. I post drawings there. I did, yesterday, I watched a lot of Tenshi Muyo. I did a drawing of, <laughs> I did a drawing of Ryoko. I don't know why. I just, I was feeling it. Wow, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, I've right? That a long time. That's, like, probably one of my favorite anime. Like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a goofy. Really? <laughs> no, and that's the thing. It's, like, it's, it's such a goofy, like, harem anime, but they they do a lot with it. Like, there's, like, cool sci-fi shit and, like, really interesting spaceship design because all of the spaceships are <laughs> organic and, like, sentient, so they just look like cool trees floating through space. Like, I don't know. Something about it is just so cool to me, even though it is extremely goofy and, and, mostly, and mostly comedy. Like, it's a harem anime, but they don't really do a whole lot with the harem aspect of it, honestly. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, at Kelso Time Bomb, at K Time Bomb Art. Also, if you if you don't follow, um, you know, podcast Twitter on Twitter, follow podcast Twitter at Feedback Force. Yeah, and you get all the new episodes linked right in your Twitter feed. Right in your Twitter feed. So convenient. Hell yeah. Don't even have to go anywhere else. Nope. But you can if you want to go to SoundCloud, because we're yes. also on SoundCloud. Yes. SoundCloud.com slash feedback dash force. At least for now? Or is that... Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything else about, about SoundCloud uh, dying. So, I mean, I, I, I still have all the episodes backed up in case I need to, but... Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am at Kyla underscore go on Twitter. Uh, and I do a weekly uh, Sunday morning stream at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, that is just me playing old games that I didn't get a chance to play when they were new games. 
um, especially like old classic games that people feel strongly nostalgic for. Uh, right now, I am playing uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night and loving it. It's it's been a blast. Uh, it's a really fun game. Uh, so I just finished uh, week two of that, chugging along, uh, and I'm gonna hopefully continue to do that again next weekend. Nice. Yeah, and I'm at Skaga Three on the Twitters. Hooray! And and and, uh, and contacts. Uh, him, if you need him to steal you a pair of cider from a key, from the IKEA factory. Yeah, yeah. We we know that he loves yeah. he loves the the thrill of breaking into <laughs> the IKEA factory. He's in it for the crimes. Yeah, it's it's what it's what he wakes up in the morning for. Just, <laughs> that's what keeps that's what keeps him going. This is this I mean is, sure. This is canon Why now. <laughs> this is canon now. You just agreed to it. All right. Yeah, so uh, play LG for Dead World. Come back in a couple weeks, and and we will be talking about it right here, like we like we do. Yep. Yeah. See you then. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.